Make It Right, the manufacturing podcast. Manufacturing is defined as the making of goods by hand or by machine that upon completion, the business sells to a customer. As we have discussed many times on this podcast, the manufacturing process can be very challenging and the need to make more for less and better is constantly upon a company. Making it right is the first challenge, but selling the products can be equally challenging. Welcome to the Make It Right podcast. I'm Janet Eastman, and this week on the show, my guest is Ryan Bretsch. He's the VP Sales and Able. Sales enablement. <laughs> that's a that's more than one syllable there. It's he is the VP of Sales Enablement at Spoke Marketing in St. Louis, and he's here to talk about how sales enablement, if done right, can help you get on a fast path to cash. So, welcome to the show, Ryan. And I'm giggling because you and I were just talking about how your last name is kind of different because it's seven letters, but only one syllable, which is kind of rare. And then I couldn't even say enablement. So there, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for having me, Janet. You know, one of the first challenges with sales enablement, I guess, is getting it pronounced in, you know, correctly on, on, on both ends, right? <laughs> I failed miserably right at the word go, Hey, eh? I'm out the gate wrong. You did fine. <laughs> so it's really a pleasure to talk to you, Ryan. And, um, I'd like to find out a little bit more about sales enablement, but let's first talk about your career and your sales background and how you got on this path. All right. Well, you know, I actually first started my career, believe it or not, in operations. I was, um, you know, worked for Unisource, which is a you know distribution company. It was bought by Georgia Pacific, and um, you know, as an operations analyst was how I started my career. And then somehow in a move to Portland, Maine, I migrated over to the, the sales. And so I've actually been playing tic-tac-toe with, uh, with the United States, I think, because, you know, from there I went to, to Portland, Maine. Then I went to Tampa, Florida. Then I went to Seattle, Washington. Um, in Florida, I managed a 50-person sales group for Bright House Networks, which is actually now part of Charter Communications. Um, was an executive director for Sales Result, which is a sales operations company in Seattle. And that's really where I started to get, you know, interested, you know, deeply interested in that topic. Um, from there, I went to St. Louis and, you know, actually founded my, my own company and um, sold that earlier this year and you know, vice president of sales enablement for Spoke Marketing now. Okay, so your role at Spoke is VP sales, enable, sales Enablement. So explain what that role actually entails. Like what, for those of us who are uninitiated, what is sale, Sales Enablement? Yeah, it's a great question. So Sales Enablement is, is, is actually about providing salespeople with everything that they need to succeed in the field. So that includes training, sales collateral, tools, resources, just anything that makes it easier for sales professionals to conduct the, the important parts of their job, conducting the discovery with clients, our prospective clients, delivering sales presentations, planning and, and conducting sales meetings, you know, so on and so forth. And it is, is actually a subset of the, the larger sales operations discipline. Okay, so when you when did you actually see the sales enablement light? When did you kind of go, well, there's sales, but then there's all this other stuff, and and you got into the sales enablement side of things. 
Well, you know, sales operations really deals with the administration end of, you know, of supporting the sales effort. So that has anything like CRM, you know, managing and, you know, the, the CRM, training the sales representatives on CRM, developing compensation plans. So that's the administrative side of the, of the sales operations discipline. You know, I've always been fascinated because, you know, I just love being around, especially top sales performers, right? I mean, they, they really inspire me. And, you know, I've always just had a passion for just really, from an, even an academic standpoint, what are the things that can be done to, to make the, you know, a sales professional's job, you know, easier when they're out there? Because it's already a pretty hard job, as you, as you know, and as a lot of sales representatives for manufacturers know as well. So I think, you know, sales has changed probably, and you can correct me on this because I'm, I've never been in sales, but... Um, probably over the last 20 years, sales has really changed or 25 years, right? Well, it's, it's changed and is going to continue to change. I think probably one of the biggest changes right now is really how you map sales to how customers actually buy. So if you think about it for like when you go, used to go to, to buy a car, you know, you, you know, you basically plan for the big day where you're going to go down to the dealerships, look at you know numerous cars, whether it's one, five, or ten you know cars, but you're really planning on making a day of it, you know, kind of like a less fun version of you know, of a of a of an outdoor picnic, right? Um, but you know, there's all the pieces to to that negotiation, you know, the you know looking at the cars, engaging with the salesperson, engaging with the sales manager. So it was really one of those things, you know, that if you wanted information about buying a car to make a purchasing decision about a car, you know, you're you're out there and again having to make a day of it, you know, and and that was the process for buying a car. If you think about how you buy a car today, is you know you're doing most of the research on on the car specs and everything else you know online i mean you can even do i believe you know virtual test drives virtual walk arounds of, of the car so the whole fundamental nature of buying a car has has, has changed um and so the sales have to you know the sales strategy and the sales engagement has to to, to map to it if it doesn't then you know then you're out of business yeah, I remember buying my last car. I actually went online and I actually built the thing on my computer and went, okay, I like that hard top and I like that color and I like this and I like that. And I knew exactly when I walked into the dealership what I was buying and they probably had me buy the nose because they went, well, <laughs> that's what you're buying. That's the price, right? But yeah, it has changed quite a bit over the last little while. So let's, let's talk a little bit and have you share a story or an experience to illustrate sales operations in practice now, how it's all happening. All right, well, I'll share a story on, on sales operations, um, just, you know, where this can impact. I actually will make a sales operations story and not an enablement story, because I think it really just kind of illustrates, you know, the thought process of how sales has to relate to, to basically mapping to the whole of, of, of the business. So in this case, there was a company in New Hampshire that did wood flooring. And it was a really cool process when, you know, when I went out there, they actually, you know, old growth forests, submerged logs that they would actually pull from rivers, basically do their treatment of the wood. And it just led to an absolutely phenomenal, you know, 
product that, that popped in people's homes. But as you can probably imagine, that process is, is expensive, right? It's not just a matter of going out, chopping down a few you know, trees and then making wood flooring out of it. So you know, when we interviewed, the, the CEO of the company, one of the questions that's asked is, is that, you know, what's the most important thing for your business when it comes to, to your sales effort? And the, the CEO reply was, you know, the ability to, to protect and preserve margins, which is really important for manufacturers and certainly important for manufacturers of high quality products that are labor intensive. You know, once you started looking at the actual internal sales process itself, and I'm always spending time with the sales representatives, one of the questions I asked at the frontline level is how much degree of control do the sales representatives have over pricing? And the answer that I was given was a wide latitude of, of control. So if you really think about piecing together what, you know, management strategy was versus the strategy on the, on the, on, on the sales in the in the sales field as cuts as the sales professionals are dealing with the customers and actually wound up being you know disjointed and not in symmetry because what the salespeople were basically doing was just asking you know so what is it that you're paying you know what is it you're getting quoted for for the pine floor that you know you're thinking about putting in your home and they'd get the amount and then, you know, the sales representative essentially would be, if we can match that amount, would you buy our product instead? And more often than not, the answer is absolutely yes, because you're getting a phenomenal upgrade for the same price as you would pay for, you know, for a, a normal wood floor. The problem is, is that, you know, while the sales were going terrific, you know, it was generating a lot of revenue, it wasn't meeting, you know, management goals of, of profitability. So, you know, really examining the sales process, you know, on a very close academic detail level is really important for, you know, getting the, you know, the sales operations in sync with the business operations. So in, in that story, the salesman wasn't selling the uniqueness of the product. They were just finding whatever that number was that was going to make the sale. Exactly. So multiply that by, you know, eight sales representatives all doing the same thing because, you know, what management was incentivizing and, and compensating on and basically, you know, motivating because every salesperson wants to be the top salesperson, right? So is if you're trying to sell value, but you see the, the, you know, the person next to you is winning more sales on, on price, you know, you're going to start doing the same exact thing to keep up. And it's just a, you know, it's, you know, it's a cascade effect and, you know, it, you know, it really affects, you know, the company's bottom line. So how do you turn that ship around? Well, you know, a lot of it is, you know, there's a number of things that you're, you're looking to do sales enablement, obviously being one on an operations and, you know, what you're compensating on is, is probably the key to addressing that, that situation. So in that case, we, we essentially redesigned the compensation plan because you know salespeople were, are going to sell to what makes them the most money, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's fundamental to you know to, to being a sales professional. So in that case, you're really working to address it through through the compensation plan. Okay, so just explain to me then why sales sales enablement is so important is it really like a missing link between sales and marketing because marketing is 
presumably, if we use this wood floor example, the marketing uh, products would have said, this is a fantastic floor. It's old growth forest. They're beautiful floors. They're so unique. They're going to look like nothing you've ever seen in anybody else's home, right? But then the sales guys over there just selling on price. So how do you connect the marketing and the sales to bring that together so that the salesperson can actually sell that uniqueness? Well, it's actually a great two-part question, and I'm going to endeavor to answer the first you know, part first, and I'm going to throw a little bit of curveball out is, you know, you had asked, you know, why is sales and enablement so important? And I'm going to first offer to you that it's not important. Hmm. Okay. It's, it's, it's not important to A players, you know, the, you know, so your top performing salespeople, you know, they, they always, you know, enjoy the benefits of, you know, of what sales enablement, you know, brings to the equation. But you know they don't need sales you know enablement to to be able to sell effectively in the in the field. That's why they're a performers, right? They they can do you know magic with very minimal resources. So you know sales enablement is actually much more important. And just know you know that a players are are actually rare. I mean there's theories that you know you can make them commonplace. You really can't. I mean, how many Michael Jordans are there in basketball, right? And even if you had five Michael Jordans all playing together, how effective would, would they be playing together? Sales enablement is really designed for the B and C players that need the extra push to get up to the level of performance of, of A players. And if we go back to, you know, to um, you know, the second part of the question is, is I don't think that sales enablement is, is also the missing link between sales and marketing, but both sales and marketing need to be involved in it. They need to know what their roles are and they need to know how to properly support it. So sales enablement, you know, can be effective when they don't do those things. That's often why sales enablement is, is not effective, but oh, you know, sorry, go ahead. Oh, but overall, sales enablement is, is important because it's the key to get the B and C players to, to run, you know, better, more productive sales meetings. Okay. So then how can marketing really contribute effectively to that modern sales process? So there has to really be, you know, it really maps to understanding how the customer buys. You know, the evolution of marketing is no longer just about brand, brand awareness, promotion, advertising, and or lead generation. Um, you know, the nature of how the customer makes purchasing decisions is fundamentally changed, fundamentally. And so more so than ever, it's, you know, marketing has to be involved in supporting the entire sales process. But you have this historical rub, you know, that takes place between marketing and sales and who should be in control of that. And it's really important to, to make sure that we, that, that both sides, marketing and sales are really, you know, listening to the sales professional's perspective and really digging deep around understanding what it is that they need. Right. And ultimately, I guess, well, I suppose it all depends on, on what you manufacture and what your product is that you're trying to sell, but the salesperson should be out there trying to sell a solution to someone's problem, right? Yes, yes, that's, that's exactly what they should be doing. I mean, in many cases, you know, manufacturing is specking products, our products 
to meet a certain solution for a prospective client. And you know, as important as relationship building still is to the sales process, it's really the efficient conduct of the sales meetings that's more important than, than ever. And, you know, and sales also has to understand that marketing now has a, an, an important role to play in that. They don't necessarily, a lot of sales organizations don't want marketing in their business, but they really need to consider that for the exact example that we talked about on, you know, with, regarding the, the car dealership, which is, is that more so than ever, you know, customers are basically engaging the marketing functions of the company to begin their sales process. They're researching the websites, they're going to social media, they're looking up product specifications on, on Google. So they're doing all of these things before they ever engage a salesperson on it. So there really has to be close coordination between marketing and sales, and there has to be a lot of listening going on versus just rushing to say, you know, let's do this, let's do this, let's do, do that. Um, you know, sales enablement is all about helping manufacturers deliver crisp sales engagement from discovery to the sales presentations, to delivery of the, of the proposal. All of that is designed to support not how the manufacturer wants to sell, but rather how the manufacturing customers want to buy. And that's what marketing and sales both need to be focused on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. How about some key takeaways that uh, you can leave with uh, manufacturing leaders and their sales teams to help them, you know, move the ball forward on this? Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's another good question. Um, you know, I think there's really just understanding that sales enablement provides a cohesive plan and operational scope, you know, to, to conduct thoughtful opportunity qualification to, to do more effective discovery. And discovery is basically questioning for the customer's needs, requirements, uh, and, and success conditions. How to properly plan, you know, position against competitors is extremely important. Managing objections in the sales process. Notice I didn't say handling objections. I've talked about managing objections. Those two are two fundamentally different things. And just in general, how to conduct sales meetings. Um, the second thing is, is just what I reiterated, you know, earlier, sales and marketing both have to be involved, but they have the understanding that the needs of the sales professional are the thing that's most paramount. If leadership isn't listening to the challenges of the salespeople, then the resulting sales enablement effort will most likely fail. It just, you know, I mean, I've seen it time and time and time again, you know, sales enablement is one of those deceptive things. It looks really easy in practice to, to, to put into place, but it's actually quite difficult. Um, and, and just that kind of goes to my final point, which is even if marketing sales are involved, sales enablement is a thoughtful and deep seated exercise. It's not something that can be slapped together and it's, uh, and, and actually it's often best served if it's outsourced to a subject matter expert with specific training and, and skill sets around the discipline. So those would probably be my, my three points. Yeah. And to that last point, when you say, you know, you want to outsource this, I can understand why that would be a good idea because that outside person can bridge that gap that probably an internal person wouldn't be able to between the, the leadership and the sales and the marketing teams. And they could come in and, and sort of take all questions and sort of 
level out the playing field maybe um, in a way that somebody internally couldn't do, right? Yes. And, it, and, you know, I don't want to make, you know, if you do set the right standards and goals and objectives and walk through that exercise and you're very disciplined about it, an organization can do that, you know, on, on their own. It is the one nice thing about having an outside you know, person do it is, is that, you know, our, our, our company do it is, um, you know, is basically comes down to, to confirmation bias, right? It's, you know, when you're so close to something, you know, you basically see it through, you know, through, through a rose colored lens, you know, sometimes, and basically having that outside perspective allows for an objective, you know, very clear lens to be, you know, looked at in all sorts of the organization. Plus an outside organization isn't, you know, nearly as subject to, to, you know, political, you know, influences. And that that often go in, you know, kind of the internal internal politics of companies. And you know, again, not all internal politics is bad politics, right? I mean, it's just it's a necessary part of 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 a business. But um, you know, having that outside objective look at the the entire sales process and how sales enablement is is managed, basically, you know, provides a fresh perspective on how to how to help sales professionals in the, in the field if they're, especially if they're underperforming. And if they're already underperforming, then, you know, the question is, is, you know, it kind of amplifies maybe the need to have an outside perspective, you know, looking in on it. Mm -hmm. How long can that process take when you bring somebody in and, and get this process going? I'm assuming it's different for depending on the size of your sales team and whatnot, but, you know, can you turn something around in six months? I think six months is very fair. You know, a lot of customers want things turned around in, in one month. And I, and I think there's organizations that will cater to that. And, you know, it just kind of goes to that tried and true adage is what you put into it, you know, is what you're going to get out of it. So inputs, you know, equal outputs. And, you know, really the more the, you know, the, the more thoughtful effort that you're putting into, to, you know, scoping, you know, sales enablement, scoping the sales operations, making sure that it, you know, that it meets the objectives of, of the business. We talked about that earlier. Um, you know, that's, you know, you're going to get a better end product. Mm -hmm. And I suppose, you know, we all know that changing people's habits do take time. You can't do it in, <laughs> in 30 days, probably. So yeah, give it a bit of time. But uh, yeah, Not magic workers, certainly. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ryan, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Okay, well, Janet, thank you very much for, for having me. And thank you very much for, for asking, you know, very, you know, thoughtful, insightful questions. You know, I, I love thoughtful, insightful questions. So, so it was terrific. Well, thank you very much. Ryan Bresch is the VP Sales Enablement at Spoke Marketing. They're based in St. Louis. That's our show this week. You can find Make It Right on Twitter and LinkedIn, and you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. And remember, the Make It Right podcast is brought to you by Kevin Snook. He's a leadership advisor and author of the best-selling book, Make It Right, Five Steps to Align Your Manufacturing Business from the Front Line to the Bottom Line. Until next time, I'm Janet Eastman. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Make It Right. <laughs>